You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Oh, yes, here for yet another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association in the lovely confines of the boardroom at the SPDSA Plaza. I'm making it sound huge, am I not? Um, we've got Deagle Vender. Deagle. What's going on? We've got Sean Lother. Hey, buddy. And uh, coming to us via remote for reasons unknown, uh, Dano Drummond. Dano, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Uh, fantastic. I'm dropping the F-bomb right away. Um, should we tell people why you're home? No, no need to. That's up to Dano. That's up to Dano. No, that's fine. It's it's COVID time, right? So just working with some of our groups and on isolation for precautionary um, reasons. So all okay so far, just waiting on some results. But here I am on the podcast. Can't can't miss up this opportunity, Dubs. You know what? That's a good thing. You know, <laughs> I, I, even if you're uh, never mind. I was going to say something bad, but you know, I won't because it's podcast time and we're here doing a bunch of things. Lots of fun for the show today, kiddies. We're at show number thirty-eight. 38, wow. we're, you know, that's, that's wow. 12 away from a, a milestone 50. I yeah, what happens at 50? Do you get a cake for us or what goes on? What do you mean I get a cake for you? It's your know. show apparently, so. You're the producer. I'm just the guy that keeps everything cooking. <laughs> well, I think 50 is a gold anniversary, so should get one of those uh, gold coins that is chocolate. A chocolate oh, gold yeah, coin? Yeah. Yeah, look at the smile on yeah, your face. Anything chocolate. I thought, he was gonna, I thought he was gonna drop the line about his gold song or whatever with the white caps. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we had a little conversation there about Actually, your. We, we can talk. Talk to. Yeah, well, I mean, I w- we okay, will. Like, I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. We have a special guest coming on the show today, and that is if I've got my timing correct with regards to the hour difference between Vancouver and here. But Carl Valentine from the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, national team, all that kind of fame, soccer bowl champion, um, you know, national league. Did He went to the World Cup in 86, did he not? He did, yes, he certainly did. So uh, we'll have a, a good conversation with uh, with Carl. He'll be in for a couple of segments, hopefully. And uh, and, and we'll definitely talk music at that point with, uh, with Carl. Have a little surprise for him, which I'm sure he's not going to enjoy <laughs> maybe he will but we'll we'll, we'll discuss that in the uh the upcoming segments so uh with him on board we'll also talk uh epl action some of the stuff that's gone on uh in the past couple of weeks because there's been no footy as far as the leagues go um now it's just a two is it just a two-week break that they're in or mm. is it was it a national like national team break? Yeah, it's or? international break right now. Yeah, so okay. there were some Euro qualifiers that were going on, uh, Nations League games or Euro Nations League games out in, in Europe, and then some friendlies and things like that that was going on. So, yeah, there was um, some some good results. Uh, we'll talk about that later as well, too. But, yeah, yeah there was some good, and, some and good we'll, action. We'll also talk a bit about the, uh, the Super League, um, which is the women's yeah league that was going on in was it just england or was it everywhere yeah it's in england yeah women's super league um it's like the top tier of uh english football uh and some of the changes that they've done in there to um you know promote the league a little bit more getting um world-class players to to come over to to europe and yeah it's been it's pretty good for the women's game uh, well we'll chat about that as well starting things off we'll talk a little COVID update in regards to soccer here in alberta um, I might throw it to you, Sean, just just, just a quick update on, on what's been going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously last week, uh, last Thursday, I think it was, we got the word that 
there's a mandatory two-week break for all team sports within Alberta. Uh, obviously affected us here at Sherwood Park and the rest of the province. Um, disappointing, to say the least. You know, there hasn't been any outbreaks in, in sports cohorts per se, um, particularly soccer cohorts uh, that, that, that I know of anyway. I mean, there's been the odd case here and there, but it seemed to be kept under control. It would sure. not of a result of sports, right? No, exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it's disappointing that... Uh, They've picked on us poor sporting organizations well, to, well, to shut us down for two weeks. Uh, but we're doing our best to make sure we adhere to those um, those guidelines. And we're, we're doing some work to get some online videos done for all of our players and teams. Yeah, and we can go into that right away here. We can talk a little bit about uh, about the training videos that we're, uh, we're putting together. Our uh, our man John Barnes, aka <laughs> D Govender, um, it, it will be prominent in the first couple of videos, and then uh, I hate to say it, he was thrown on the trading block <laughs> early yesterday. Well, <laughs> the, the 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 problem is is not his ability; it's just his lack of fitness right now. So you know, he he, he sort of came into the into the, the mix without putting in the work in the off season. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we had to quickly email too. Yeah, uh, you know what? I didn't even get a phone call or anything like that. It was uh it was an email, you know, an email to me and uh yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, you, you know when you're called upon and uh you step up for the for the team and then you know um, you know you you feel on top of the world and then um, a day later, not even you know, not even a full twenty four hours later, you get the release. It's letter, a so. it's a cutthroat business. That's all <laughs> I can say. You know, you, if you do, if you can't perform, then things happen. You know, I, I do know something. I, I I'd love to have seen Dano in the role just to see him because I you know he thinks he's jacked the ladder around the office with his moves. So what do you mean I'm jacked the ladder on the office? <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I just, I just thought it would be great to see you uh, jumping in there, Mister. Were, were you, were you part of the drillers back in the day, or, or was it uh, what was it called back then? Aviators, the aviators, the, yeah. the aviators. A young pro, come on, Daniel little, Drummond. Little fun fact: the semi-pro indoor team with drillers, myself and Felipe, had a little. Um, a little stint with them going down to San Diego. That was fun. And Sacramento. I think that was 2010. Yeah, I remember that. That you was got, just a bit of fun and a laugh. But you guys played out a service place, right? In St. Albert? Yeah. Yeah. yeah played that. out a service. And then the road trips were fantastic. The setups in San Diego and California for their indoor soccer was unbelievable. 2010 is not that long ago. Well, it's ten years, D Dubs. No, I know, <laughs> going on eleven. But I, in the in the scheme of things, when you're 106, like myself, um, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Who was the keeper at the time? I can't recall. I mean, I was probably backup because I fancy myself as a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Jack the lad. Didn't we talk about that last time we on the podcast about how good yeah, I we- was as a goalkeeper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make my my way back, you know. You know, D Dub and I had a conversation after I got released about maybe potentially having a trial as a goalkeeper too. So you know what, between you and I, we'll figure something out. And there was more conversation with the well, gaffer about that this morning. Yeah, but. Uh, the the problem with that is, you know, <laughs> when when D dives and lands, 
There's an earthquake occurred. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, so imagine you landing and then imagine me landing. Not only would be there there be an earthquake, there'd be a quick call to an ambulance to get me off the ground. Well, did you not say D? I thought he was talking about me again. He did say D. <laughs> and that's why I said, imagine if it was me, though. Anyway. Oh. Anyways. If he gets up and leaves the boardroom right now, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> it's all recorded. All in jest. All in jest. <laughs> all in jest. So from the homestead, how have things been there for you, Dano? I, uh, I know you're still getting inundated with emails and all things great as far as the Phoenix side of things go. Um, and I guess we're just all in prep as far as this training video and stuff goes. Yeah, no, it's been good. Uh my, Sean and myself were able to connect with the tech leads on some Zoom calls or some Teams calls rather on, on Tuesday to kind of update and organize our programming. And I've uh, just connected with some of our partners from the bridge and first line and just really behind the scenes work getting the programs up and running. So um, this will come out a little bit later, but our coaches and tech leads would have seen an email that I just sent out just giving those updates. And hopefully by this weekend, we'll be up and running with sports psych and technical sessions up on zoom or team call. So we're excited about it. Fantastic. And uh, uh, D I know that's the same sort of, uh, uh, you know, yeah, very similar for the uh, um, grassroots side of things. Yeah. It's very similar. Next week we'll be starting with, uh, with sessions. So um, uh, coaches and, and actually players will be uh, getting in on a team's meeting with myself, uh, Sean, and some of and Richard Espinoza, our technical lead, will will be with the, the younger groups with me as well. Um, we thought it would be be good, and we'll have the coaches in as well too. But we'll run the sessions and and give the coaches a little bit more of a of a break, and then they don't have to you know step in there, but they can get a little bit of a, a mentorship opportunity to to be on the call as well if they would like. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have the groups uh, up and running uh, starting next week. Awesome. So now, are we are we looking at? Uh, I, I don't know. This is maybe again. It's a podcast, so we can chat about anything we like um, without using profanity in any such way. I, I mean, we could, but I'm sure the powers that be would say, uh, "D Dub, edit that out." Thanks, please. <laughs> um, but my thoughts are: is this is this something we could do live to Facebooky type thing as far as the training goes, or is it something we? I mean, it makes more sense to pre-record stuff and then. Uh, yeah, definitely not with definitely not with me demoing. That's for, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Confidence, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I have no confidence now. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think the the reason to record and and then then present to the teams is if there's any players missing. Then oh, for they, sure. Then they can easily look at the recording, right? And it just is an opportunity for us to really bear down on that recording, make sure that we get the right right things in place, and. Uh, you know, work with the coaches to get that out to them. And that, I guess, is also the reason in the transfer fee that was uh, thrown out there as far as D <laughs> no longer being the suitable candidate. No, he's totally suitable. <laughs> We've, we, we just th- I thought it would make more sense to have um, players involved, and we still have to jump through a couple of hoops to make sure that's a possibility. So... We're, yeah, that's what abso- we're looking towards. absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, we've contacted Alberta Soccer to make sure that it's okay to do this. And I mean, AHS guidelines do sort of allow individual training per se outside of a team environment. So I'm pretty sure we're going to be okay with that. And we'll start with with the players next week. We'll have we'll have two players who will work on their own. Yeah, and then one will rest, and the other one will work. Um, so that there's nothing against the AHS guidelines that we will. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's I, I, it's like anything else. It's uh, you're masked up. You're socially distanced. You're 
taking care of all the precautions that you're going to do at the facility will do it at has the hand sanitizing stations everywhere. And, uh, so yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to seeing it out there with everybody. Um, yeah. And we'll just keep our fingers crossed that this two week period is just a two week period. Um, you know, speculation is out there. Uh, we watch the news all the, all, you know, every day and, and, and listen to what's being said and what's going on. So we're just fingers crossed. Absolutely. I mean, let's hope it's just two weeks. If it's longer, then we'll, we'll deal with that. But uh, right now we're, we're hoping to get back on the, the pitch with the players uh, 10 days from now. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. And at, at that point, maybe Dana will be back in the office. I will, and uh, the podcast can get back to its banter. I feel like you you have free reign to say whatever you want because I'm not sitting to your right. I guess it would be right. So. Well, it's it's amazing the eye contact and the hand gesturing that goes on uh, <laughs> when you're here. So um, you know, I'm I'm leaning on Sean and uh, Dee to come up with that, and there's been zero gesturing so far. So <laughs> it's, it's those little tidbits behind the scene, man, that just you know help help the show out. Whatever I can do. Of course. I think it's irrelevant if you're here or somewhere else. You can still have some banter. <laughs> yeah, the banter's always there, so that's that's fantastic. All right, uh, then don't answer me. That's okay. <laughs> Deadly you mu- you must be coughing or well, something. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was directed at me. See, this is the eye contact thing. Exactly well, what you're talking about. Well, well, but it's an in general thing, as in any podcast. If there's a, a bit of a... a, a, a yeah, <laughs> you're still good. You're still good. We're going to be uh, putting... Um, putting ourselves uh, into a, a, a bit of a, oh, we'll take a break. We'll take our first break. When we come back, we're going to try and get a hold of our special guest here and, uh, and then see how he feels about things. So, Dano, hang in there. And, um, you. It, you know, we will, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Soccer Talk of the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. See you in a minute. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lou. Fast, warranty-approved oil and fluid changes. Mr. Lube. And we are back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Wow, I needed a big breath there. I lost it at the end. Daniel, you got to help me on those. I, I, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, listen, so we're in studio. We've got uh, Deagle Vander. We've got Sean Lother, we've got Daniel Drummond, and now on the line, we have our good friend from the Vancouver Whitecaps and all points in between, Carl Valentine. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing not too bad. It's, um, you know, in these uh, challenging times, it's uh, certainly uh, interesting, but it's a long time no speak, and yeah, it's uh, good to know that uh, you're back and uh, making a difference. Yeah, well, I don't know about making a difference, but I'm sure making some noise, that's for sure. Um, listen, it, it's you and I go back a little ways. Um, you were actually my first step into the pro level of coaching. You were the head coach of the Vancouver 86ers, and I remember there was a friend of mine and I had written a song for the Vancouver Canucks, and... Um, it was long ago, and we were doing a, a television thing for the news, and you were being interviewed right after us. And I can't remember the young lady's name. There was a young lady from the radio station, CFMI, who was 
I don't know. She she knew you, and she introduced you and I, and we started talking, and I let you know my background, and you were like, well, you should come out and uh, kick balls at the keeper sort of thing. And that's how I got started in the pro game. So it's all to you. Wow. I, I I appreciate your ability to see talent. <laughs> well, if you've uh, been doing great work around that, I'll take credit for it. Yeah, so I'm taking I'm taking credit for that. That's, uh... I wouldn't say this great work, Carl. So uh, <laughs> I love the pat on the old DW back. Yeah, well, you know, it's just that I, I know I know we. It was funny because everyone has their own stories of how they got started and 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 where they got started, and um, it, it's just an exciting thing to remember and. It's those things you don't often remember, but they make you feel really good about it. So, um, yeah, very pleased to have gotten that start, and uh, it's put me down a, a great pathway. And, and But we're not here to talk about D-Dub. We're here to talk about Carl. And uh, let, let's start off with uh, how you ended up coming to Canada. Originally, you were with the you know, Oldham Athletic back in England, doing well, all that sort of fun stuff. Why don't you give us a little bit of a, a, a layout of your own pro background and uh, and coming to North America? Yeah, I um, uh, I got a call from the manager. I think it was just before <coughs> Christmas, and he just basically said that they sold me to the Vancouver Whitecaps, and um, I needed to meet their representatives and see if they'd get a deal for myself. And this uh, was back in '78, so of course there's no internet. Um, uh, email, you know, so I had no way of, well, not knowing. I didn't know where Vancouver was. I knew Canada, but I didn't know where Vancouver was. But I met uh, Tony Waiters, and he uh, convinced me to sign for the Vancouver Whitecaps. I think it was a hundred thousand pounds the day, which was a record fee for Oldham. And in February, not Valentine's Day, but in February, I uh, flew to. Uh, my first trip to uh, Vancouver and uh, never looked back. That's awesome. There's nothing better. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit of a discussion in Tony and, and yourself and, and Sean in a, in a little bit here. But uh, you've had the opportunity of playing, obviously, uh, here. Now, you, you, you played here. You went back to England for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's always, I played for Oldham Athletic, which was the old second division, which is a championship now. And I always wanted to play in the first division. Uh, I had a couple of near misses. I almost went to, to Man City and Everton, but ended up going to West Bromwich Albion when the league folded in 84 and uh, played for West Brom in the old first division under John Giles and, uh, you know, realised my goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, other things that we, we do here in Alberta that they don't really do that much. At least I don't think they do it much in the rest of the country. I know we have some sort of areas, but the indoor game, the boarded game, it's, it's really prevalent here in, in Alberta. Not so much. I know we have the, the eight rinks or the former eight rinks. I don't even know what it's called now in Burnaby where they have the, uh, a boarded sort of facility. I know they have one in Richmond where it's turfed and boarded. Uh, much like a hockey arena, but you played in the boarded game for a long period of time as well. How was that? Did you enjoy it? Was it really hard on your body? What's the story there? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, I played uh, a few years in Cleveland and went to Baltimore, Kansas City, Tacoma. And, uh, of course, when uh, the major indoor soccer league was at its height, which is probably 
the late 80s, there was no outdoor soccer. So all the best players in North America that were playing when the NASL folded in 84 all went went to play indoor. And plus there was a lot of money involved as well. Um, So it was a a great few years there and uh, it was really entertaining. I mean, I think it's still going at certain levels in America. But uh, yeah, it was fun to play. That's awesome. And I'm sure it's... Uh, now, did you have a chance to come in here? Because I believe the Drillers had a team here, didn't they, D? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think in the old... Uh, there was a couple of seasons that the North American Soccer League had indoor seasons uh, going in the winter, a couple, and got to play the uh, Drillers indoor as well as uh, outdoor. Um, but, uh, you know, it was certainly... When I went to play there, it was a way to make money. I mean, I think I played seven years, seven years year round because I'd play uh, indoor in the winter uh, to make me money, and then I'd come to Vancouver in the summer to keep my name here and play uh, outdoor. So I got the best of both worlds for uh, about seven years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's awesome for sure. Do you, Dee, do you remember seeing him play here? No, to be to be fair, uh, I think the the second yeah, old enough. the second <laughs> the second round of the of the Edmonton Drillers when they were back here, I think it was called the NPSL. Um, was when I kind of got my uh, my first look at uh, the indoor soccer game on a professional level. Um, and I, I would think that guys like Pat Onstead, which was a national okay. team goalkeeper, uh, was in the mix there, and and yeah, Lloyd Barker, um, who was also in the national team fold. So I think I missed your time there, Carl. Uh, yeah, probably too young. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like you're an old man. Come on. You, you've probably got a few uh, good years yeah, left you in can, you. you can, yeah, if you miss it, you just, there's uh, probably some black and white VHS tape or data <laughs> or whatever. Actually, Betamax it was. Betamax? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And then, of course, um, you played with Sean, obviously, with the uh, national team back in the day. Well, yeah, I've got a little story about Carl. I mean, Ooh. he was a bit late getting on this call for some reason. <laughs> we won't go into details, but <laughs> he just didn't show up. And quite a few times when he was playing, he didn't show up either. Oh. So, <laughs> oh. you know, I'm, I'm quite used to like playing playing behind Carl. I was right back. He was a right wing. I'd, I'd, I'd carry him on my shoulders the whole game. <laughs> sort of thing, you know, so. Yeah, that's, that's how wingers do it, right? Somebody <laughs> says, uh, have we got any scars? And so I don't tackle. You let his defenders do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just a creator. Hey, no, I, I, I spent five seasons with Carl at the, at the Whitecaps and then played with the 86ers as well for a couple of seasons before I moved on to uh, Winnipeg, of all places. Um, but, you know, I mean, Carl was a quality player, uh, you know, for both the Whitecaps and Canada and all the other pro teams he played for. It's a pleasure to play alongside him. I'd uh, often try and get on an overlap, but I wasn't as quick as him, so it didn't happen very often. <laughs> uh, but you know, a good quality player. You know, he had little 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 jink in his in his arm, his armory, and he'd get beyond players, whipping good crosses into the box and chipping with goals here and there. Um, talking about the talking about the indoor season, I actually outscored him one indoor season. No, I did. Yeah, I, I was um, I was a a shorthanded specialist, like a penalty kill. <laughs> so I'd, I'd get on there and I scored five shorthanded goals one season, which was a record in, in the indoor. And I thought I was Jack the Lad. <laughs> uh, 
then we got the, the the proper game, and then I just kick people and pass the ball. That's all <laughs> that sounds like Colin Miller kicking people. Um, that's fantastic to hear. I, I love those types of stories back and forth. I, I I remember watching Carl run the flank at the old Empire Stadium. Uh, what was it like playing on that bad surface? <laughs> because I, I, honestly, you just look super fluid running down the side and clipping balls in. That um, was great to see, but. What? What was it like? It was, it was, I mean, it was, you call it turf. I mean, you probably could have gone out and uh, some concrete and just painted it green because there was no real turf there. And uh, I wouldn't, uh, I didn't experience this, but uh, no, um, Sean would because, uh, you know, defenders sometimes have to go down, make slide tackles and they come after the game and, you know, all the skin's been ripped off and you can oh. hear them screaming in the showers like it was, like, nasty. But uh, um, but it was uh, tough. There was also a crown in it as well. I mean, it was uh, Willie Johnson um, was playing when he, when he was on the other side of where the bench was. Um, the people on the bench would, would say when they sat down, you could only see Willie's head on the other side because there was a big <laughs> crown on, on it. Um, so... So it was challenging, right? You know, and especially if it was wet, the ball was slick and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and I thank Sean for saying I had some slick moves because I remember coming over to Vancouver and uh, you know getting recognised, and, and some young lad come up to me and said, "Oh, you're Carl Valentine, aren't you?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "You've only got two moves." <laughs> I'm thinking, like, "Wow, what's the second one?" <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, I didn't really have I didn't really have too much skill. I just had speed and then I just used that. So it was good for me. Yeah. And no, it was and it's like I said, it was a lot of fun to watch back in those days watching both the White Caps play and our national team. I mean, eighty six was the year everybody was super excited about because Canada went to the World Cup. It, it, the only time in the um, you know, modern days that uh, Canada was in a, in a World Cup and and uh, absolutely incredible that uh, you guys both had a hand in that. You obviously went, Carl, and I and I know that um, you were a huge part of it, Sean, as well. Yeah, I mean, I played in the qualifying games, um, played a few games there, but I didn't actually go to the World Cup. Uh, there was a squad of 22 selected and 18 only went down, actually. And we'll talk about Tony later, later but Tony sort of regrets leaving four four players behind at home to just to train in case of injury, etc. He, he you know, in hindsight he thought he should have took all twenty two down. Yeah. Um it was a great time for, for football in, in Canada. Uh we had good quality players, good quality team. And that was because of the North American Soccer League, playing for the Vancouver Whitecaps, the Toronto Blizzard or New York Cosmos, whatever. You know, we had full time pros in Canada. And um because of that we were, you know, the second team in, in CONCACAF. I mean, Mexico was probably top, and then we were second, you know, and it was good uh, to play in those quali- quality matches at Victoria, um, you know, big crowds watching us play, and it, it was very, very, very enjoyable. That's awesome. And, and uh, Carl, just thinking about that and uh, getting there and, and, and getting to play at that those levels, a, two things for me, actually. I'll go back to the club thing. What was it like playing against the Cosmos back in the day when you had Beckenbauer and you had Pele involved? Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, they hated, to be honest, they hate, 
hated playing against us because we were so difficult to play against. Um, you know, we had our quality players in Alan Ball and Willie Johnson, why not? But we, you know, we were a no-nonsense team and uh, they just hated it. And um, the the semi-final game where we beat them 2-0 at home and then we had to get back to New York and I think it was, uh, well, we tied 2-2, went into a shootout, lost that 15-minute break, came back out, played another half hour, tied game, another shootout and won that game. I mean, it was it was one of the, the, the best series I've been in and it was an epic game and, you know, and they were obviously the favourites to win it with uh, World Cup winners like Beckenbauer and Carlos Alberto and their team and Chinaglia, a world-class striker. Um, you know, they were probably, you know, well, they were definitely a better team than us but, uh, you know, we just were not going to be beat, you know, that year and, um, it made it even better to beat, uh, you know, some of the stature of the New York Cosmos on the way to a championship. Yeah, it was. I, I'll never forget the, the the winning of that, and you know, Vancouver being called the small village in Canada, and uh, it, just the the whole thing. That that must have been quite the feeling for for yourself and and for the team to to win that championship in '79, winning the soccer bowl, and. And and then coming back to Vancouver to the crowd that you got to come back to. If you look back at yeah, yeah, Carl, I just just mentioned this. If you look back at those days when there's a hundred thousand people at, at Robson Square, and then you got on the mic, and what was your famous saying? Uh, we're the number one team. You are the number one. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know, such credit to you know. Uh, everyone in that organization because um, uh, the team that Tony put together was was obviously exceptional um, and he's planning um, you know what was done in the city there because obviously the, you know by Jim McKay calling us the village of Vancouver kind of ignited everyone but um, John Best who was the president there and had done an amazing job and um, you know, just getting us out in the community. And we were just, I think that was the biggest reason that, you know, we had the turnout of uh, the crowd because when we were coming back and we were told we had to leave our cars at the airport because we were doing an open top parade, we thought we were going to be waving to some woman and the dog in the streets and stuff. And yet the the streets were lined up all the way to, to, to Robson because, you know, uh, the club had done a tremendous job becoming Vancouver's team, uh, and uh, it was it, it was just an unbelievable experience to win it and then to come back to such a parade and uh, just to see everyone you know welcome us back. It was just unbelievable. Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, you see, uh, I remember seeing bits and pieces of that when uh, when Vancouver was granted the MLS franchise and we started seeing some of those crowds show up to the modern day um uh, empire stadium with the uh the, the fabricated stadium that we had with the crowds that we got in there and the first year or two of the mls was was unbelievable as as far as the size go it, it, nothing compares to that old uh, empire stadium and and the and the teams of of that uh nasl days back then but uh you know, maybe one day soon we'll have some of that happen again in Vancouver, um, which will be 
Great. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we're going to come back. Carl's going to stay with us with uh, with more of his thoughts and insights into the game and uh, his own career and all sort of things. We'll have a little surprise for him when we come back. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube, taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk of the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I don't understand the way you think, saying that she's yours, not mine. I couldn't resist Carl. We have Carl Valentine on right now from the Vancouver Whitecaps days. And uh, this was him. Oh, fantastic. What was the TV show? Uh, The same game. It was, uh, I guess, like these shows they have now. Uh, All these bands that come in and they competed in this competition. And uh, if they won it, they got their own half-hour TV special. Oh, that's awesome. And you HP, definitely yeah, did not HP win it with that rendition. There's no way you won many that. People, no, no many, not many people know this, but after that, it was probably the hardest time, one of the hardest times in my life because I had so many offers I had to decide whether <laughs> I was to be a professional soccer player or a singer, but I just thought, you know what? I've got enough fame for once, but uh, no, I'd never do that again. That was the most scariest thing I've done in my life. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, I think. You know what, though? That's it's, I'm so – just to have the, the, the guts to get up there and do that, I mean, that, that is well done. And, and the first time I actually knew about that or saw that was on a road trip to Seattle – Vancouver 86ers and uh, one of the one of the players Steve Kindell had the VHS tape threw it in the machine because we always would watch movies and next thing you know it's it's Carl on the show and I was like oh my god it was, I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of them expressions oh my god <laughs> I, I love the I love the fashion and the hair that was that was absolutely amazing yeah Gary kills man I guess they were in the, the day I can relate so, so Carl you went from being a promoter, remember with, uh, was it Henry? Was that the guy's name? Henry Brown, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was Jimi Hendrix's cousin. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Very cool. And this this Henry had the dance moves as well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> remember that, Carl? At, yeah. At the games, he used to, to dance on the pitch at half time right, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did that at our games and BC Lions. He was quite a character. Well, he still is a character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm sorry I, I, if I embarrassed you or anything like that. It's not, it wasn't No, no, mental. not at all. I mean, it's uh, for everyone to see now. I can't get away from it, so I just have to suck it up. <laughs> and, and the internet doesn't help because it's everywhere. <laughs> you type yeah. in your name, oh, that no. comes up. <laughs> I know. Well, if you do silly things, then you got to check it, right? Yeah, for sure. Um Moving along to, uh, to to the gentleman who signed you your first contract in North America, Tony Waiters. We we lost Tony last week um, here in North America. He was eighty three 
passed away on the 10th of November, I believe. Um, huge influence, I'm sure, on on yourself, and I know it was a it was a big influence on on Sean. Just some just some thoughts yourselves on uh, on Tony and uh, you know the the gentleman he was and and what he brought to the game in in regards to Canada. Yeah, I think um, you know for me, it's uh, just way ahead of his time. I was watching the uh, because obviously a lot of interviews and uh, stories written about him. I was watching one on Twitter the other day about uh, when he was back at Plymouth and what he'd done there. Didn't realise promotion and building facilities. And then, of course, he came to uh, Vancouver, um, put a team together to win a a championship. And then uh, the Olympics, you know, qualifying for the Olympics and not only qualifying, but getting the team to the quarterfinals, losing to Brazil on penalty kicks. And of course the the World Cup, and you know, I mean, Sean will tell you a lot of the guys that uh, were there. I mean, the, the NASL has folded in '84, so a lot of them weren't attached to clubs, and yet he put a program together. Um, and it was a hard qualifying; uh, it was grueling as well. You know, just one team going through, um, and uh, he did it. And then, you know, after that. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in Canada. I think he took most of his work to America and built up his world of soccer and looked uh, probably one of the first to look at online programming and stuff. Uh, uh, I think at the the professional level, the, the grassroots level, he was, he, he's just way ahead of his time and uh, he's just been so influ- influential in uh, North America. Sean, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. You know, he was way ahead of his time. Um, he, he, not only that, he was just a, just a great guy. It's actually been quite sad recently with uh, with Tony passing away, but then before that, Nobby Styles passed away. You know, so two Vancouver Whitecaps legends, and and English legends as well. I mean, uh, Nobby, I I knew him quite well. I, I spent a lot of time with his son John, as I was a reserve team player when when Nobby was there initially, and then managed to get in the first team. Uh, after Nobby left, but I used to spend a lot of time in his house, and he was a fantastic individual. And and Tony, of course, you know, he was, uh, in my opinion, a pioneer for soccer in this country when we went through a great stage of our development where we got to the World Cup, we got to the Olympics, and, you know, lost in the quarterfinals to uh, to Brazil. Uh, you know, it was a great, great time period, and Tony Waiters had a massive impact on that, and uh, he was my first coach at the pro level, he signed me from Manchester United when I was there, just as a like an apprentice. Um, I can, ne- I'll never forget the story when I was called into the office of Dave Sexton, the manager at Man United, and he said to me in this big, big voice, he says, uh, "Sean, you've done well, but you will never ever play for the Manchester United first team." But a good friend of mine, Tony Waiters, wants to sign you for Vancouver, so I, I left Old Trafford, got my stuff from the digs, went to Bishop Abbey, and I met Carl Valentine for the first time then and uh, the the rest of the squad you know so tony tony was a, a great guy um, well ahead of his time and his attention to detail was absolutely fantastic and uh, he'll be sadly missed by a lot of people who helped get full time in this game yeah you know i, I i've seen his uh, I, I was lucky enough to uh, have a friend of mine who was he was uh, the manager of plymouth argyle back in 2000 and I can't remember what year it was now, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I remember spending time at Plymouth uh, 
and and the way they thought of Tony, he was like he was like a magician there. Uh, they just absolutely love the man. He's plaques everywhere inside the clubhouse and uh, and the stadium. It was just an incredible thing. I was lucky enough to meet him through coaching and through his development within coaching and, and trying to get like the coaches boot room type thing where bringing all the coaches in the area together to sit down and, and discuss and, and talk about different problems within football and how to how can we address them? How can we go? So as far as innovative and ahead of his time, definitely. What's, definitely. what's, what's interesting, you know, I, I mean, luckily you give us this Wikipedia profile on Tony and Carl, but the one on Tony and just like normal, you know, it's always, it always comes back to Geordie land. I mean, his first club was Bishop Auckland <laughs> in the Northeast of England. I mean, who could imagine that, that this icon in, in the game in Canada and England you know, his first club was a Northeast club. It's fantastic. I don't know. What do you think about that, Good Carl? Good breeding ground, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, fantastic guy. Will be uh, will be sadly missed for sure. Um, and, and, and you know, it, it will be remembered by everybody who's who he's touched and, and who, who've been involved with them. Um, uh, just before you, yeah. you we'll get off the subject, Carl, have you got another story you could share about Tony that uh, you think the, the listeners would like? Yeah, the, the one, um, uh, I think it was uh, 81, we played Man City. They didn't have the, the, the whole squad there, which kind of, I think, was the end of the season for them. And we beat them 5-1. It was a tournament with uh, Whitecaps, Roma, City, uh, New York. So we played City and Roma here. And uh, I had a good game. We won being five one, and then we went to New York uh, to play the rest of the tournament. And uh, I think we tied in New York, ended up winning anyway. After the game, with there's a big reception uh, area, and Malcolm Allison was the coach of Man City, and uh, he called me over and uh, he just said, "How would you like to play for Man City?" And I was like, "I'm a United fan," but I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." So he said, "Leave it to me." Uh, leave it with me. Um, two weeks, uh, we'll, we'll come in. We'll make a bid for you. So I, I went home. Uh, I didn't tell anyone. Um, my mum was over at the time. I didn't even tell her. And sure enough, two weeks later, Tony pulled me in. And uh, after training, she said, "Look, uh, I want to tell you, uh, Man City have just come in and made an offer for you, and we turned it down." So I was, I was gutted. So I went back and told my mum. It was a big mistake. Anyway, there was a game. Uh, the weekend and um, we finished the game and we had that area where all the players and wives and coaches would go and um, I come out from getting changed and I'm going for a drink and my mum's got Tony Waders up against the wall pinned <laughs> against the wall going you've got to let my son go back to England it's his dream to play in the first division and uh, I, I tell the story, Tony. Uh, he just kind of looked at her, and you know, I thought I was going to get in trouble. And I went in to see him to apologise, and he was like, "Ah, oh, you don't have to apologise." And I'm certain he was, but uh, that's the way the man was. He just took everything in his stride, and uh, you know, we—I don't tell that story because I wish anything else. I just uh, uh, because obviously the path that um, I'm on is great, and I'm here talking to you guys now and healthy, uh, but. Uh, it, uh, it was a pretty funny story, and uh, yeah, my mum and Tony still remain friends. <laughs> That's fantastic! What a great story! 
I, so, sounds like a Tuesday evening nowadays, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my mum had had a few drinks when she, she had him up against the wall, so it'd be a bit scary. Yeah, I've I've got one about my dad. This exact same thing with Johnny Giles. It's, it's, it's exact same story as that. So it's good having parents that are passionate for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just don't want to be so passionate that you uh, you know lose your <laughs> position or outcome with a team. That's all. But um, yeah, so Carl, you're now um, you're still with the Whitecaps uh, as a liaison and. Still doing things with the white caps, and you know, obviously, I, I'm assuming you, you as we, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know, my job, the club ambassador, is being out in the community, and uh, you know, that's one that the owners want and connect with the community. You know, we've tried to do it in different ways, videos and and stuff, but obviously, it's challenging with COVID. Um, but um, you know, the owners have been brilliant. Uh, not one of our staff has been caught. Not one of the salaries have been caught. And obviously, you know, they've just played a season where, you know, they've had nobody in the stand. Uh, they've had to fork out to go to Portland, play in their stadium, stay in a, a hotel for seven weeks to uh, end the season. So, uh, you know, so I'm very grateful to, you know, what the owners have done and that, uh, um, you know, that I'm still... You know, still working there, hiring a, a person for community, uh, an expert there. I guess that, that person will be my new boss. So, uh, yeah, so my role, you know, was growing. And, you know, I mean, I just uh, enjoy my role so much because it is really, you know, connecting the club and the community. Uh, also, the connection with the fans, which, you know, I've been grateful for since my time with Vancouver because they've been so good to me. So, uh yeah, I'm just very lucky and uh, very happy still to uh, uh, be involved with the White Cup. Yeah, you've got a fantastic personality, mate. You always have, and uh, so that 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 role at the at this juncture in your career suits you extremely well. Uh, and you know, I oh, appreciate that. Wish you all the best in in that role. Um, some some thoughts. We we at this point in our on our podcast, we usually switch gears and. Uh, jump into the pro leagues and what's been going on around uh, yeah. the EPL in particular, although we get in trouble all the time for not mentioning the other leagues, in particular the Italian league, which, you know, I don't think I'm going to mention today. So <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. But EPL action, are you are you enjoying how the things have been going there? Obviously with COVID, they're still playing. Now you being a player, did, did, does that have a major effect on players, these playing in these empty stands. I mean, you would have probably heard some of that with the MLS guys. Um, so well, just thinking about so it. Probably Sean, Sean put you up to that. He's just saying I'm enjoying that being a United fan. Uh, not really. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I. To be honest, obviously, I mean, you know, United not doing so well. You know, puts a bit of a, a moniker on it. It's, it's tough. I just find I think it, 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 it's a bit of a drain. Um, I'm glad to see it back, obviously. Um, but when you, you know, you see what's happening in England, Italy, Spain, even Germany to a certain extent, you know, it just seems more parody in the sense of the, the top teams, uh, are not running away or dominating anymore. And I don't know if that is because, you know, they don't have that home field advantage. You know, United lost three out of the last four at home. Um, I don't think that's just because of the crowds, but it's so much to do with it. But 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it must be hard for the, the the players playing under these circumstances, going back to the families, trying to protect them, traveling all around the world for friendlies and stuff. And I think it has an effect on the league because, you know, you look in the Premier and, you know, right now it's wide open. I think in Spain, I think Real Sociedad are someone's on top there and, um, same in Italy, AC Milan, and you know the usual teams are not dominated, and uh, I think that COVID has has uh, uh, an effect on all the league. Yeah, do you think that the the managers have a different mindset preparing the teams um, during, during this time? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think it's tough. I mean, you you know, I think there's real concerns there. Um, you know, Klopp and a few have talked about the scheduling. They're trying to get. Uh, uh, five subs, subs in now and uh, it just seems like everything's so condensed I'm not really sure why or if it's needed all these friendlies that they're having with leagues I mean you've got um, you know obviously they had a break because of COVID but you don't really consider it a break because it was so concerning what was going on you're not really out on holiday and enjoying your life Um but uh, you know it's a it's a big problem, and you know you you know, and then you've got uh, players that uh, I mean I think Mo Salah, you know, uh, obviously playing at Liverpool as champions and gone to Egypt and end up going to a wedding and getting COVID and stuff like that. There's man, you've got so much to deal with now. Um, it's got to be uh, a, a real challenge, and uh, I'm sure sometimes. Football is not the number one priority What with what's happening uh, around the world because obviously this COVID thing has brought the world to a standstill. Yeah, that one uh, that one hits me a little close to my heart, uh, <laughs> Carl. I know you might not be happy with this, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Reds man. And um, right now I feel that, you know, myself, Sean, D-Dub, and you can jump over to Liverpool because they're looking for players right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, and you have to feel, you know, I mean, I... I not that I feel bad for Klopp, but I do feel bad for him because it's just like, man, it's obviously the Van Dyke injury was like through players. But I mean, I think a lot of these injuries because, yeah, you know, yeah, they're getting paid hundreds of thousands. So, you know, you can't feel sorry for them, but they're human beings and they're going to break down. I mean, the demand that's, you know, that's put on them now and they, you know, they're going to go from this season to the Euros back to another season to a World Cup. And I don't know how they're going to go through it. I mean, I understand why the the you know the Premier doesn't want five subs because that'll benefit the top teams because they'll have bigger squads and mm-hmm. uh, the the other teams won't. But they're going to have to do something because players are breaking down left, right, and centre, and uh, you know some teams are going to have no players left. And if you want the quality of football that you used to, you know they're going to have to change something because uh, it's becoming a bit of a struggle for for a lot of the teams. Yeah, I, I would think you're correct there. I, I think there's just so much football going on for these teams and these players, especially the ones that are in, like you say, the Champions League or, uh, you know, and, and and getting into Euros and, and, you know, the players that go on to those and they're, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, all the all the top teams that have players playing internationally, I mean, it's they're, they're a disadvantage for sure. Yeah, sure, there could be the Man Cities, the Liverpools, of the world, you know, of the United to the to an extent, um, <laughs> but um, you know, they got top players. You know, I look at our our squad in Liverpool. Andy Robinson wore, wore the captain's armband for Scotland. Jeannie Wal Wal 
or the captain's armband for for the Netherlands, right? Um, there's a lot of leaders that are coming out from from squads that are playing internationally as well, right? So it's there's they're playing big roles in in both in both um, spaces. So you win one league title in twenty years. Hey, we're taking <laughs> it to the start bat. naming off all these players that are captains for their countries. <laughs> they're leaders. They're leaders. <laughs> Carl, are they leaders? Who is the leader? Who is the leader? Oh, of they, your they, side? Won't, they won't. They won't. They won't. They won't be at. Uh, who do they play? Oh, they play Leicester, don't they? They got Leicester um, this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's it. I mean, I, I think it's just so tough on the players in the sense of, um, you know, like all of us, it's not just your daily job that you're concerned about. If your family is in the COVID thing as well, I mean, it's such a strain, and um, it's. It, it, and and then you know you brought it up again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I guess it should. I mean, I played games in front of no crowds before, but to do it week in and week out, um, that's just so different. And um, I think we've, you know, that's part of the reason. I think you've got parity in all these leagues. Uh, there's no home field advantage. There's distractions, and uh, it helps some of the teams, you know, catch up to the these teams that have been dominant all these years. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? When, when you look at when we were playing Carl, you know, we'd go down to Mexico or Honduras or wherever and the crowd wanted to hate us. Uh, well, it did hate us and wanted to kill us, basically. But we sort of used that energy, that ne- negativity that the crowd had to, to G us up. And we loved playing in front of hostile environments, right? So... It's difficult for the players today when they don't have those people screaming, yelling at them, and and egging them along. So I, I can understand that the results are going going differently, but at the same time, it's a, it's the same for everybody. So it's up to the manager to get get their team prepared to win games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it is. I mean, it's so hard to you know the the, the time, it's so hard to analyze it. But you know, you look at <coughs> Southampton. You know, that's obviously playing well, and uh, without the pandemic, they may have been there. But I mean, I'm sure it's an advantage to them if they go to Liverpool and they're a goal up, and Liverpool don't have the, uh, you know, the the, the crowd behind them to, to give them that lift, mm-hmm. um, or you know, going to to other grounds. I mean, it's just different. It just really is, and um, I think that's shown in all the leagues. I mean, you look at the, the Liverpool, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, all these teams that, you know, would be, you know, comfortably on top now, Man City. Um, they're all having their own struggles. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, the lots of games that the players are playing and the crowds and uh, and COVID going back to the families and keeping them safe. It's just so much going on right now. Yeah, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, we see it, and I'm sure you're seeing it in BC with the with the youth as well. Um, I mean, kids in there and and players in their mentality of wanting to get out there and do things, and you know, for the for the youth players, it's not so much the crowds as it is just getting out there with their friends and playing. And and this COVID thing has really been a struggle on them as well as um, you know as well as their their psyche and and the way they feel about uh, just life in general at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's not 
anything you can ignore or get away from. It's in your, you know, daily life. But, uh, you know, but, you know, you have to uh, commend all, you know, the associations and people, governments that have got kids back playing because, uh, you know, there's a big need for that, right? They need to be getting out, not just health-wise, but just socially and, and interacting because it's, uh, you know, we're social people. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, a lot of people realise when the game wasn't there um, because of the, the, the pandemic, how much it was missed. It's not the be-all, end-all. We can live without it, but it certainly makes a difference in our lives. And, uh, you know, especially for, you know, a lot of the fans out there, you know, waking up on a Saturday morning and going to, what's the Premier La Liga, the Bundesliga, whatever it is. I mean, it was part of their lives and now all of a sudden it's gone. It just makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. And uh, on that note, oh, hang on a second. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Carl, you know, we're in our, we're in our pause right now um, uh, with our teams and things like that for sports. Do you have any advice for, for our club's players in a pause? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so tough. I know when our pandemic was on with our academy players we did some online stuff um i, th- I think it's hard i mean i i know we had a skills thing and it was really fun where kids were um encouraged to um, do a skill session around the house juggling over a couch or uh, tumbles exercises whatever it is i mean i think if there's some way to be interactive or to without uh, getting a ball and smashing up the house or, or, or smashing the TV or something. And, you know, if you can do something, um, you know, every other day that's uh, soccer related, whether it's watching or um, juggling or doing anything, it'll just help keep that uh, connection and keep you a little bit sane because it, it is tough and, um, and we do miss it. Yeah, Carl, you know what? This has been absolutely awesome. I want to thank you for 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 taking the time and uh, spending time with us here on the podcast. Um it's been a lot of fun. Uh it, it, we should wrap it up because we've been we've been going on an hour here, so uh not an hour with you, but the show itself has been an hour. <laughs> but uh so from uh from D, from Dano, from uh Sean we want to say thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I've had, uh, had a fun time and it's really good connecting and uh, just swapping stories. So uh, keep up the great work. All right. Thanks very much. Go ahead, Sean. You want to come? Uh, yeah. Thanks, Carl, for coming on. It's uh, Obviously, I've met you a long time ago and uh, hold you in, in high regard. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure to get you on this podcast for our club. Well, you guys stay safe. It's been too long. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. Yeah, definitely for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Valentine, thanks for thanks again for coming out. Uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. This is uh, Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Thanks for listening. And once again, if you have any thoughts or you know questions, anything you want us to do or want us to try on the show, please feel free to uh, send us a little note, or you can drop a line on the uh, the actual notes of the 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 product when we put out the podcast you can leave notes for us anyway uh thanks for listening we'll talk to you again soon we'll see you you've been listening to soccer talk in the park the official podcast of the sherwood park district soccer association 